Welcome to Let's Connect. My name is Keith McPherson, and I'm so glad you've decided to join me for this next episode. Every week, I interview a thought leader or an artist doing amazing things in the world for them to share their perspective on how to live our best life. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Alyssa Nobriga. I interviewed her down in Los Angeles, and Alyssa is an incredible psychotherapist, as well as a life coach and an all-around amazing woman. She has so much wisdom to share with you today. So stay tuned, sit back, and let's connect. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Let's Connect. It's Keith here, and today I'm in Vancouver, British Columbia, sitting in a Airbnb, and it's been quite an amazing weekend here. Uh, this morning I went for a jog in this beautiful park called Stanley Park, and it was just absolutely serene. As I was jogging, there was just all this nature around me, and I was right at the edge of the ocean, and I was just feeling so grateful because back in my hometown of Winnipeg, where I live right now, I think it's like minus 30 degrees Celsius, where here it felt like a beautiful spring day. So I'm absolutely enjoying this weather and the chance to be here. I'm doing an event this week at Indigo Books here in Vancouver on Robson Street, where I'll be sharing some insights from my new book, Making Sense of Mindfulness, and answering questions, and hopefully getting to meet you if you are in Vancouver. Um, a few weeks ago, I was in Los Angeles, as some of you know, and I was also promoting my book there. And um, I had the chance to sit down with this incredible woman named Alyssa Nobriga, who I first uh, discovered, actually, on Instagram. I found a video on there of her speaking all about the power of just living your best life. And um, she's a life coach, and I just was totally drawn into her, her work as I got to know more and more about her. She does a lot of work with limiting beliefs and how to shift those. So today, uh, I'm going to share with you the conversation I had with Alyssa. A crazy thing that happened was um, I was going to a meditation class in Los Angeles uh, a few weeks ago as well, at this awesome place called Unplug. And at Unplug, they have various meditation teachers that share wisdom, and um, it's just incredible. So I got to Los Angeles, and I went to Unplug, and sure enough, I could not believe this, but Alyssa was actually the teacher the night I was going there, and I'd already set up this interview with her. So it was just amazing how the universe conspired to continue to connect us in all these ways. So I went to Alyssa's house and uh, we sat down and I have to say she had the most amazing carpet in the room we were in. It felt like I was walking on clouds. I wish you guys could have seen it. Um, she's living an incredible life and she's doing some amazing work with clients all over the world. And she has a really awesome event coming up as well that she's going to share in our conversation. Um, you've got to check her out. But um, we're going to go right into this talk today so you can learn more about how to conquer your limiting beliefs, how to live your best life. And so without further ado, I'm so excited to introduce you to Alyssa Nobriga. All right, I'm sitting in this incredible office space with um, a carpet that I've never placed my feet on, but it is the most comfortable carpet I've ever placed my <laughs> feet on. I'm here with Alyssa Nobriga, who's just an incredible uh, coach and inspiring healer, psychotherapist. I, I mean, her, as I was saying, 
her list of accomplishments go on and on and on. And she's an incredible woman. Mm. And uh, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for coming over. I love this. Absolutely. <laughs> this is quite the place here. I absolutely love it. Thank you. Yeah. I um, I have a lot of listeners I, I know that are going to really connect to your story and the work that you're doing in the world. Mm. And um, so I just want to go all the way back. Okay. I, I believe you were like 12 when you first discovered what you wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those odd people that knew exactly what I wanted to do. And at 12, I knew I wanted to be a healer and live in the Redwoods, but I also wanted to wear stilettos and live in New York City and do marketing. Wow. I never, never thought that those didn't go together. I just said yes to both of them and kept moving forward. And eventually I was getting a master's in spiritual psychology and realized, oh, this is the integration of bringing some deeper spiritual truths into everyday modern day living. That's amazing. What was it like way back in the day for you that was um, pulling you in both those directions? I just knew that healing and transformation needed to happen beyond the mind. How did you know that? I just knew. Wow. I just knew. I remember there was a lot of different stories of just having, you know, being sent to my room and not being quiet or not being tired. I would just sit in my room and just listen to some type of wisdom that came through and would trip out on what I would call vastness now. After doing meditations now, I'm like, oh, this is familiar, just mm. more of my natural state, um, but didn't make meaning of it then, just now in hindsight. And and I just knew that I wanted to support people in living their fullest selves and to create what they want and to know who they are. And so I followed that and I didn't really question a lot of, it didn't make sense to have these two polarities together and yet I just kept saying yes, and eventually it, it integrated. It made sense later. That's amazing. I'm blown away that you would meditate without really knowing that when you were 12 <laughs> sitting in your room. No, no. It was more <laughs> like I was sent to my room to go to bed, and I wasn't tired. So I'd be laying in bed, and I wasn't tired. And so I'd go into a meditative state. That's amazing. And I knew that very well. That feels like home now. Wow. How amazing is that? I know. So, and I think that's true for a lot of kids. You know, I don't know that they always have the reference point to, to talk about these things because it's just natural. Right. Right. Well, I've been um, told too. The the unconscious mind is just so alive when you're a little kid mm -hmm. too. I mean, mm -hmm. we're not so in our busy brain. Yeah, we're not in the future. Right. There's no future. Just like play, presence. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that you go all the way back to then. And so then, take me forward a little bit. So you're 12 years old. You're in your room, not <laughs> meditating, but you're just trying to go to sleep. And you're, and, and so how does this all evolve for you to make um, this a reality? Yeah, I, I just thought I would become a therapist, essentially, because there was no coaching out there. And so I went forward on that track. My dad is a shaman, but that happened later on in my life when I was 14. We don't need to go down that story. It's a whole other story. But I... I got licensed as a psychotherapist, and I, when I started going into some of my graduate programs, I got a coach, and that is what changed my life. And so I've now since taken the transformational and healing work and applied it also to strategy and goals and business. Wow. So to really help people create what they want by getting out of their own way, change from the inside out. That's incredible. Um, in terms of what some of the common things that you see that get in people's way, Yes. What are those? Oftentimes, what I find are the universal blocks are self-doubt. Yeah. Really questioning ourselves. Who am I to do this? So self-worth would be really at the heart of all of the blocks is, is I'm not good enough or a lack perspective of I don't have enough time, I don't have enough money, or I'm not enough. Right. But some of the more surface blocks are people-pleasing, bigger for women, uh, self-doubt, 
perfectionism. Somebody else has already done it, right? Just all these excuses we use to unconsciously keep us small because we think small is safe. What is known is safe. Right. It's innocent, but it's just the ego projecting its fears onto the future because that's unknown. Right. That makes sense. And so the more we get mindful of what our core patterns are, the better we can change our relationship with the blocks and then the blocks change. Wow. That's amazing. Have you seen it where people actually transform from the place of fear into what you're talking about here, just completely and, and sustain it? Yes, absolutely. How, I mean, I don't think I, I would be in this profession if it weren't. It's been true for my own experience. And then it's been true for the people that I've worked with over, over the last 10 years. Can you speak a little bit about your experience of yeah. the transformational process? Yeah. Okay. So I would say one of my core fears um, or core wounds and stories was I'm not good enough. And so I, that was a common story that I would make up for why things didn't happen. Mm. And it was, it was gripping and I'd take steps. So for example, Deepak Chopra's uh, crew wanted to do coaching sessions with me and have them film for his YouTube channel. Now I wasn't putting my work out there at the time and they came in and I was really nervous. I was like, oh, I need to perform. I never met these two people that now I'm just supposed to have an amazing conversation with. Wow. And so my not good enough came up. So anytime we take steps towards what we're wanting, anything that has held us back will come up. And that's not bad, but that's what needs to be looked at in order to transform it. Those blocks become our stepping stones if we know how to use them. Right. So how long ago was that, the Deepak piece? Maybe in 2014, 20, I don't know. Wow. Earlier. Yeah. So this shift into this new way of being for you is fairly recent. Is that right? No, there's layers. There's so layers. with anything, with any of these, especially core wounds and core stories, yeah. there are layers to them in my experience. Like we may chip away at it at a certain level and then there's still more. Now, and I'll share a little bit more about how I move through that core story, but now there's space between it. It com If it comes up in a unique situation, I don't necessarily unconsciously buy into what that belief is. I don't believe it so much. Right. So, and I know how to move through it on different levels, mentally, emotionally, physically. There's always a spiritual foundation to at least the perspective that I hold. But what I, so for example, with the Deepak thing, so he came over, his film crew came over and captured these sessions and I'm up, so they came to my home office. I was upstairs working my process, trying to get clear so that I could support these people, but I was paralyzed in self-doubt and, and not feeling good enough. Wow. And so I let myself really feel it, somatically feel it in my body, meaning not think about it, but really drop into the sensations in my core and my belly is really where it was. And I was like, okay, well, what would it be like rather than thinking about it or judging that it shouldn't be here or trying to prove myself on TV so that I'm a good enough coach? Right. What if I just drop in and really allow it to be here just for a few moments? And as I did that, it started to open up. It started to create spaciousness within those sensations and it started to pass. And I opened to a greater container, a greater love that was already here that was underneath it. Wow. And so ironically, this story of not feeling good enough was my gateway to experiencing my wholeness, my not enough by embracing the part of me that didn't feel good enough. It opened me to a bigger expression of myself, a deeper truth. And ironically, I went downstairs and was able to really serve these two clients. So they weren't really clients. I did one session with each or three sessions with each of them. And because I had gotten out of my own way, I was able to fully be present with them. And I wasn't trying to prove my worth by being a good coach. Right. And I really served them and they were incredible sessions. Wow. 
That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was a great story. It, it is incredible. I'm also thinking about, I mean, the layers that you're mentioning here. And um, I mean, you're, as you were describing it, I'm thinking, well, it's, it's not possible. You just went upstairs and this all just happened in that one five-minute moment. It can be very quick. Was it that quick? It, it, I don't know if it was five minutes, but it was under, under 15 Really? Yeah. And so what I like, and so this is why I like my combination of transformation and goals is like when you're taking steps outside that comfort zone, that comfort zone is essentially where your ego says I'm safe. There's upper limits and lower limits. So that's the comfort zone of who it thinks it is based on identity. Wow. And so when you're taking steps beyond what your, your self image, your ego says is safe, Uh that unconscious material will come up. Now, if you have somebody to support you to move through those blocks, not only does that grow, but you can transform it completely. And then you've got more space and a bigger container to go for things and be bold and in relationship or in business. Wow. So this is where you'd bring on a coach. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I'm biased. I I always have a coach. I love, I love transformation. I love growing myself and I love that it directly impacts the quality of my life. Wow. So is it, I mean, is it a matter of like sustaining that place or, I mean, you're talking about layers, like I'm suspecting more layers are going to come up for you as your life expands. Absolutely. So it's just getting better at knowing how to deal with those layers or how do you find it? The way that I hold it is that the, the truth of who I am, it doesn't have any layers. There's no time. There's no maintaining the ego self has a comfort zone. That's when the fears get kicked in. And there are strategies and tools to help keep our mind open and our emotions clear to more fully experience our deeper self, right? But if we're just connected with our true self, there's, it's just, we're just doing the next thing in the moment. It's not, you know, the fears don't get kicked up. Right. And yet most of us aren't living there on a consistent basis. And so here are some tools to help open the aperture, clear the, the, cobwebs of who we've identified with or what the fears are creating that hold us back. Yeah. Not following our heart. I love that image of an aperture yeah. that you use. I've heard you use that a few times yeah. now and it's beautiful. Um, because true- then there's no like getting somewhere. It's just about opening more fully to what's already here, who we already are, what we already are. Can you speak to that? That's a, you referenced it as the true self. Yes. The part of you that's not ego. Yes. How do you know when that is actually being is present and activated like how does that work what is it so it's it's if you're anything you need to think into existence is thought form is a is a thought yes you are what sees thoughts and so different people have different terms for it i like presence yeah because presence it's like this witnessing presence yes that's all already here because the thoughts can come and go the feelings can come and go the body changes but what doesn't change is the inquiry And for me, my practice has been questioning thoughts to help me open that aperture back to what's here beyond thought. Amazing. The the questioning thoughts piece as well. I've heard you reference that before a few times. Yeah. Can you take us through what that actually means, like how that practice works? So I'm a big fan of inquiry. And you can do inquiry by writing down what, if you're in a stressful situation, You can just take a piece of paper and a pen and just write down the beliefs that you're believing in that moment. And then each belief you go back to question one at a time. Wow. And my experience is it's like a a belief system is a blanket of beliefs and each thought is like a thread. And as you inquire into each one, you question the, the validity of each belief. It's almost like you're unraveling a blanket where it eventually falls away. And it opens you back to the peace that's always in the present moment underneath all the fear-based stories. I love it. 
And so that's helping us connect more fully to the experience of ourselves. Why is that important? <laughs> it's everything. <laughs> it's everything. It's everything. Say more. I, 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 without, for me, without having a deeper spiritual foundation and a, knowing there's a, a, a grace, a peace underneath everything, then it's like we're just playing a game trying to get somewhere in the future because our ego will, will never feel enough. Right. And yet opening to the enoughness that's already here is a game changer. Mm. And it it changes it just changes everything. And for me, it just feels like it's just honoring what's most alive and true in my heart mm. to share that with people. Because then it doesn't need to be the bank account or the relationship or these other things to help us feel enough or to rest, but to inquire into the fears as an opportunity to find out what's underneath them. Wow. That's and then amazing. to still playful out in our in our goals and in our lives in the ways that we want but it's coming from a place of fullness and desire and inspiration rather than fear lack and separation right which would be the ego that you're referencing yeah i'm thinking of uh wayne dyer who's one of my mentors used to call ego edging god out (laughs) like anything that separates us is of ego yeah in a sense which really um triggered me i was like oh yes and i actually like using anything that seems to separate us as a doorway into freedom. So anything that causes stress, we can look at with a microscope through questioning the fear, questioning that belief, because it's like breadcrumbs leading us back home to ourselves. Wow. So it's like, cause there's two types of fears. There's our f- freedom. There's freedom away from something or freedom to all of life. So if we're saying, yes, I'm gonna be courageous and welcome all of life, that's a deeper level of freedom. Right. And then we can use the fears to help wake us up. That's incredible. That's a different orientation to life, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's more fun, less fearful, less controlling and manipulative. So when we're talking about fear, where, why do we have it and where does it like where does it originate from? Good question. Yeah. My experience is that fear is one, it's always the future. And it's one of two things. It's just saying, I won't get what I want or what I have will be taken away. Mm. Yeah. And so it's all in the mind. Therefore, we can question the mind and come back to the peace, the presence that's here underneath the fear. Why do we have it? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) But it's here. It's I know where it originates and I know how to move beyond it. Where does it originates from the these, mind. these thought patterns yeah. is what you're saying. Yes. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm th- th- and that's some... empowering to know that. Yes, absolutely. Um, we're sitting in sort of the epitome of fear-based ego, not here in this house, but more so in this area of the world of mm-hmm. like, we're in Los Angeles for those of you listening in that area. I mean, people here, a lot of them come here trying to like fulfill this this dream of the mind mm-hmm. thinking I'm going to make a ton of money or be rich and famous mm-hmm. or successful. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing you must see this around. Yeah. Is, it, or is this just a stereotype <laughs> from a Canadian to an American? <laughs> I don't know. I but think there's some of that here. Absolutely. There and is. there's, there's, and then that's also all around the world too. It is. It's a, it's a state of mind. Fear is a state of mind. So it doesn't matter where we are because we can be fearful in having a billion dollar company and we can be fearful with, or we can be at peace and have nothing. It's right. a state of mind. It's right. So how do you keep yourself in a state, a, the state of mind that's just um, in a place of just abundance and gratitude and expansion and my, fearlessness? My experience, my, two things that I do as, as a regular practice to keep that aperture open yeah. is to, to have a meditation practice. 
some space where I can just be, not about doing or becoming and just experience myself more fully and just be. So I find that helpful. Uh, the other thing is questioning my thoughts, is my spiritual practice is really coming back. So I use the things that create fear to really look at them closer and question on a weekly basis, at least an hour a week. Wow. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about your meditation practice as well for people? Because that word can be very obscure. No, yeah, of especially course. Especially for some people listening here. They're <laughs> like, meditation, what exactly is that? Yeah. I, I like a silent sitting meditation where it's just about allowing everything to be as it is. Meaning just if the thought, if the mind is active, then let the mind be active. But not to indulge it and not to avoid it. Just allow. So a, a practice of allowing. Sometimes I like guided meditations. If I'm busier in my business, I need a little bit of guidance to help the mind come back to a centered place. And then it'll, oftentimes the meditations will fall into silence. And then I can relax. I held a breathwork class last night. Some of the women were like, I need to do this before meditation because it helps get out of the mind and into the body. Mm. So sometimes people having nature or other practices supports them more. Mm. And it's okay if the mind's busy or not. It's just becoming aware of the patterns of the mind, knowing that we are not the mind and being able to see it is what's helpful. Wow. So my practice is more um, just allowing everything to be as it is noticing what already allows everything to be as it is. It's like, okay, my mind's really, so for example, if my mind's, if I'm upset with something that happened in my life, can I notice what's not upset in this moment? Wow. And then we look again and we can see there's something here that's at peace. That's okay with it. That's amazing. It puts me in a meditative state <laughs> as you start speaking about it that way. Yeah. It's a little less doing. It's a little bit less of the ego trying to get peace right? and just recognizing the peace that's already here. Yeah, I can feel it just in the conversation as you start talking about it and then refocusing the mind into it. It's like my my soul just says, yes, mm -hmm. let's just drop into this place of, it's like there's a relaxation and a peace and yeah. a calmness there yeah. that arises. Yes, and some days the ego will be excited about doing that and some days it won't and it'll have a lot of resistance. Yes. And so I think having some structure or supports or accountability is really helpful. I'm curious, why does the ego fluctuate on a day-to-day -day basis <laughs> just, in intensity? I, I think different levels of perceived risk. Hmm. So it's it's fighting for its existence. Right. And so the more Hanging it feels <laughs> the more it feels threatened, the louder it can get. Wow. And oftentimes on the other side of resistance. So when resistance comes up, I get excited because I'm like, what's there? So the ego's trying to protect something. What's in there? Hmm. So rather than just not meditating or not doing the thing, I get curious. Oh, interesting. And mm -hmm. that's where you're questioning mm -hmm. all of the thoughts. Or from. I'm just honoring the practice. Ah. Yeah. And not setting unrealistic goals of I'm going to meditate every day for 30 minutes, you know, no nothing like that. Or, or I'm going to any unrealistic goal. I'm not going to do anything with a high bar. I'm going to let myself just honor the practice or whatever my goals are at a lower capacity and grow into what feels true and aligned. Amazing. So in terms of the practice of the meditation, yeah. the formal part, okay. do you have a formal part? Is I know it, it changed. I've been meditating for so long that it changes. I don't act. I like, I like morning sittings. Okay. That's the practice. Yeah. And I, to be honest, I don't meditate every single day. Um, and, but I do honor, but there's at least, at least three days a week I'll meditate in the morning. And I just really 
does I just love it. I really do. <laughs> cool. And um, and not always. Yeah. And not always. Sometimes it's breath work. Sometimes it's inquiry. I do make sure to do an hour of questioning my beliefs a week. Every day. Or a, a week. week. A yeah, week. an hour okay. a week. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. There's so many questions popping in from the spirit here. And another one, a thing I'm really noticing about you, and I mean, we just met. Um, I shared the backstory about how we met, ironically, the other day. I love that. <laughs> and now we're here. <laughs> but um, I'm really appreciating in you. There's like this confidence that just exudes from you mm. in like a very present way. Mm. Um, has it always been like that? No, I doubt it. I doubt it what you know one practice that people can use to feel more confident ironically is to secure the insecurity so something that I work I always of course I'm going to vet can you say that again secure secure the insecurity the insecurity yeah so I'm always sharing things that I've obviously discovered within myself either yeah and I just developed this one but what I found to be helpful is if there's a part of me that feels insecure, it's a part of me for one. It's not the truth of who I am, not the totality of me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, there's a part that feels insecure. How can I be that loving presence for that part rather than looking for the world to give me security if I get the job or the guy or the followers or whatever it is? How can I bring love and compassion to the part of me directly and secure the insecurity rather than looking for the world to do it? So there are different tools that I've developed for people to be able to do that um, mentally, emotionally, you know, on, on different, depending on what will serve them. But what, what are some of the tools? So one thing they can do on an emotional level is to, to breathe in. Well, I would say somatically on a physical level, you can breathe into the part of your body that feels tense, that feels mm-hmm. insecure. I think identity is one of the most important pieces to everything. And so really looking at knowing it's not who you are, it's just an aspect. And you can imagine it as a little child Mm. that feels scared. Mm. And it's like, okay, there you are. Mm -hmm. And just breathe into it, fully allow it to be there. And this is a very simple practice. It's not going to go to the heart of really clearing it, but you really do it with the intent of love. So like a child, a mother wouldn't say, I'm going to love my baby until it stops crying. There's not an agenda with it. It's like, okay, you're crying and I'm here for you. Uh, and you breathe into that somatic sensation, fully letting it in. Right. And then it starts to dissipate. Mm. That's more on a physical level. On an emotional level, there's some other tools and things um, as well as mental, but that's something simple that people can use because we often think if I judge something, then I can change it because they fear if I accept it, then it won't change. Oh, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But yep. you acceptance is about an inner state, not a behavior. So actually, acceptance is the first, the first step in changing anything. Okay, it's here. I'm not saying, okay, it can continue. I'm just saying, okay, it's you're here. You're acknowledging that it's arrived. It's right here. That's yes. right. And we unconsciously don't really get that because we think if we accept it, it won't change. But it's like, all right, here you are. <sighs> 90 seconds or so, just a little bit of time, really allowing it. And then from here, you're more present. And it's like, okay, what are my choices? Right. And then you make a conscious decision about what's the best. Instead of feeling fearful or resistant to what's actually happening, you're not as creative, you're not as innovative, or you don't have as much, you're not going to be as happy either. Right. So ironically, accepting it, breathing into it, and then thinking of, okay, from here, what feels like the best next thing to do? Wow. What are my options? I'm really appreciating what you're saying. Yeah. And I'm also thinking about how bombarded we all are right Mm -hmm. now with the busyness around us. 
I mean, our phones are going off all the time and all these requests and emails. I mean, I can only imagine a life like yours with everything going on. How demanding of your time it all is externally. Mm -hmm. So to actually carve this in. I value it. You value it. I feel the value of it. And I know my quality of life without it. Right. And the other piece that I really see with a lot of people that I work with is there is a core understand misunderstanding of that they're not good enough and they're trying to prove their worth having external validation. Right. And so when you really start to work that at the core within yourself and your own consciousness and it shifts, you don't need as much busyness. That You're not trying sense. to prove it and you can still be highly engaged without having the, f- the fearful stories projected onto a future. Right. You're just currently doing the, the next thing that you're currently doing. It's not, and then I've got the whole list of things to do all day. So it's <laughs> right. like when the mind's like, overwhelmed or anxious, it's like, oh, what am I telling myself about a future? Like the, for example, the question I sat with last Friday when I do my, my inquiry meditation is I have a future event. I've had a few different events that I'm doing on a busy time in my career. And I just questioned, I have a future event instead of I have a future, which could be another question. Uh. I have a future. Can I absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt that I have a future? Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And you don't. I don't know. <laughs> Anything could happen. Right. And yet when I live without that, without these ideas and stories of all the things I need to do, I'm more present and I'm more productive. Wow. Yes, because it all really is just a story, isn't it's it? It's a story. And we can still plan without the stress and overwhelm. We're more effective in our lives. Right. How, how do you do that without um, your to-do list piling up? Well, it can pile up. I think it's just the baggage that we, the stories we put on the to-do, to-do list that actually creates the inner turmoil. So does this give permission for people to be like late or behind on deadlines? Or, <laughs> I'm just being present. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, I hear that. Yeah. And you'll have certain consequences in your life to do that. Some people won't want to make another meeting and there's no story. There's nothing wrong with that. But some people will just say, I'm not willing to reschedule that. Right. And I think actually when we postpone things like that or we we're not organized, it creates more chaos and having some structure creates more grace and flow. Oh, interesting. I guess by giving yourself permission to make this a value too, mm-hmm. it's going to weed out a lot of the stuff that you would say yes to because the ego is just trying to do more, make more, be more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be more aligned. The things that you say yes to are more aligned. That's amazing. And you're more present. You can, But th- it's also that you could still be very busy and doing things, but because you're present, it doesn't pile up with all the stories and overwhelm and stress. Oh, you feel more connected to an aliveness mm. that's here in the moment, that's spontaneous and creative and is more efficient. And it serves more. It's like really honoring. I really honor stillness and spaciousness in my schedule, so I make sure not to pile in extra things. Wow. And if I do have a launch time or a very busy time, I make sure to still prioritize the mental work because, or the mental and emotional healing or clearing and presence work, because if I don't, I don't enjoy it and I'm actually not as effective, but I've tried this out for myself. I'm an achiever. I really appreciate. I can tell. (laughs) I appreciate getting things done so I can speak to that, but I also very much appreciate peace and I and, can tell. and I've, t- I've vetted this out to see that actually I'm more productive and things go further. Say I'm doing one podcast interview. If I'm really present and I'm serving, that's going to share and reach more people than if I'm really not taking care of myself, that's going to come through. It's a check. It's not quality. Right. And we can't do that much, do you know, in terms of with a lot of quality. 
Right. Yeah. So it's like really quality over quantity. the quantity of everything that we're doing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm getting an intuition to ask you about this too. I mean, you do so much work as a coach with people and, um, this is such an amazing opportunity to sit with you and especially for the listeners that might not live here or be able to connect with you for whatever reason. Um, I know a lot of people uh, write into me about this whole idea of um, how do I move out of a career that I feel completely stuck in, mm -hmm. but I'm going through the motions because I'm afraid to leave it. Great. And I know that this can be somewhat subjective, but it's kind I, of a common thing that I hear a mm -hmm. lot. This is great. So very practical things that I can share to support them. I would first encourage them to get clear on what their top five values are. Hmm. First, get clear on what those are. For example, mine are connection, love, truth, service, and growth. So identify what your top five values are. Think about how can I start bringing those values into my work life right now? because you have a gap between when you're gonna go change careers. So why not enjoy the gap a little bit more? Right. So look at, am I bringing a lot of connection to my work? No, I'm actually going, dragging my feet, not happy I'm there. Okay, what's something simple I can do today to create connection? Well, I can start a conversation at the, at the water jug, you know, when I don't work in an office. Right. I can, in the kitchen, I can start a conversation I typically wouldn't have. Um, so you'll start living your values in that career right now and you'll start enjoying it a little bit more. So, so bring the frequency of what you want to experience at your next job now. Don't wait. Awesome. And, <laughs> and then once you're clear with what your five values are, you wanna make sure that the next job is aligned with those values and or what your role is in those jobs. So it's not just the what, but it's also the how. Mm. How you are being in that job, make sure it's aligned because that will create fulfillment. Mm. How, what advice would you give somebody to just even muster up the courage to leave their current job. Question the fears that hold you back from doing what you desire. Hmm. I won't find another job because you can make intelligent action without fear. Amazing. Right. And so without the fear, you follow your heart and you're still taking care of yourself and responsible and making, creating bill, you know, paying off your bills, but you're not moving from a place of, well, what if it doesn't happen? And the mind always projects worst case scenario. <laughs> sure does. <laughs> right? And Absolutely. It's, it's innocent, but it's trying to make sure that we're taken care of. We can take care of ourselves, be compassionate with that fear-based mind and take dominion over it rather than it leading our lives. Wow. Because you're just going to create the same, if you don't change the structures of the mind, you're going to take the same prog programming and problems into the next job. Yeah, it's just pattern. Mm -hmm. It plays same out again. Same with relationships, same things. Right. Right. This probably applies to all areas of our life, it does. doesn't it? The inside out approach. Yes. This type of work. It's like as you're changing within you, it will reflect how you are in your relationships, in your fit, in your health with everything else in your, in your life. And do you find, I mean, I'm, I know this as a coach, but do you find that they all play off each other too? Mm -hmm. So one area improves, everything else elevates. Yes. And sometimes there are still minor things we need to come through in certain other areas. Like right. I really got it around relationship. I devoted my about a year of really deeply looking at my relationships, you know, always goes back to mom and dad, right? So yes. as a psychotherapist, I worked with a lot of couples. I spent a year of really detangling all this conditioning that I had. And I started bringing that, some of those same shifts, those mindset shifts into my business. But I still needed to go back around certain things like money. And so there were, so there was parallels, but there were other things I needed to comb through that were a little bit more detailed. That would, yeah, emerge. 
But yes, absolutely. That's constant, though. Yes, that's this right. This is like a constant practice. Yes, No matter right. whether you're a coach or a doctor or a school teacher, yeah. we're constantly um, peeling away the layers. And that's the beauty of this work, because if we're committed to it, it affects every other area, and we the quality of our consciousness and our life is so enhanced. And then it's not like we take these problems with us in the future. We really nip them in the bud and yeah. we feel lighter and freer and more equipped to handle whatever is presented with us, to us in life. And we don't have to necessarily feel like we're just taken by the storms of life. We have a deeper ballast and we've got the tools to come back to ourselves. I love it. And so sometimes prioritizing these things, it takes a little bit longer in the beginning to do some of the deeper work. It doesn't have to take long again, like the Deepak story was only 15 minutes or so. Mm. But when we really allow it, when we really let go and move through it, um, we save ourselves years of unnecessarily struggling. Right, absolutely. Wow. Oh, there's one more thing I, I gotta ask you about here too, is I, I noticed that you do quite a bit of work uh, with women. Mm -hmm. And I know you have an event coming up that we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious, like I know you do a little bit of work with men, but mostly women. Why, mm -hmm. why is that? I love working with both, actually. That's my truth. Um, there's things that I find that, uh, as a general statement, obviously, that men do that women don't. And I think putting them together is great because well, at least I'm a watcher-doer. So if I see somebody do something, I'll learn from them as, as an example. Mm. Just recently, I did a three-month accelerator program with men and women just to test it out again. I was like, I love working with men, too. This is so fun. And they were teaching each other. But I also find the same things. It's masculine and feminine. So getting out of the gender roles. But I find that even in my mastermind groups where it's just women, mm. half of them know how to rock their businesses, but they don't know how to really take care of themselves. The other, you know, as a, again, general statement, the other half really know how to take care of themselves and their consciousness, but they don't know how to run a business. So they teach each other. Oh, interesting. But I do find there are particular blocks that happen with women. So, for example, people-pleasing perfectionism is a little bit more with women. Men would, you know, self-doubt is across the board. Men would just say confidence yeah. instead of self-doubt. Like right. there's different, or men say peak performance. There's little things. But I, I, I'm interested in conscious leadership at the end of the day having both masculine and feminine parts de developed within us so we can utilize the part that's needing to be, that is supported in the moment that's needed rather than just kind of leaning on our default of feminine ways of leadership or masculine, whatever's developed in us. I think it takes both this being very much in action and you know focused mm -hmm. as well as being spontaneous and open to receiving guidance. So having both of those developed, I feel like right now women need a bit more support and to be celebrated and honored in a new way mm -hmm. to reestablish what it looks like to be successful and as a woman in our own feminine way. Mm. And so I've just felt called to support that in the last few years. But I, I genuinely, the deeper heart and more of the work is around conscious leadership Amazing. for men and women. What's, um, what's your current dream for the world? Mm. It's the same dream I have for the world always. What is it? to help them know themselves, the perfection and beauty of who and what they already are. Wow. You're really doing that work. Like That's, you're definitely doing your part in that work. Thank you. It's incredible. That's the call. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're kicking off a new year as well as we're recording this. Mm -hmm. um, I also just want to hear your process from a coaching perspective of how do you set goals or do you? Yes, I do. I, it's, it's a bit of this masculine and feminine where right now I just hired a marketing team. So we're looking at 
of some of the strategic work of what are the revenue goals, what's the business model, those types of things. Yeah. But then I give it space and I listen. So I'm going through my day and I'm listening to what will serve my clients and what insights or intuition drops in. So it's not just I'm going to you know, focus down and get it done. It's like, yes, there's that aspect to it, but there's also this receptivity and and spaciousness that allows for other insights and miracles to unfold. I'm getting this vision of like a beautiful dance between yes, those two. Places. That's right. I heard this quote from a physicist. He said, it's not just do, 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 and it's not just be, be, be. It's do, be, do, be, do, be, do. I love that. That's <laughs> great. Said, Absolutely. Yeah. That's what it's about. That to me feels like the most alive and engaged way to live. Yeah. Fantastic. Do, be, do, be, do. <laughs> that should be like a mantra for somebody. Yeah. Do you have one? I do I have a mantra? Yeah. I don't. You don't. Mm-mm. I'd say just be here. Yeah. <laughs> just your beingness is, yeah. is a mantra hmm. sitting with you. Yeah. Thank wow. You. Well, I'm so honored you took the time to be here. And I, oh, I want to speak about the women's event just before we go. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about that as well? Yeah. So January 26th and 27th in Los Angeles, I have 100 women coming to my home <laughs> to do an inspired weekend, really supporting them and diving into their souls, getting clear on what the calling is for 2019 and move through the blocks that have held them back as wow. well as just be in sisterhood and connect with other women and have fun and you know we've got all these different types of rituals and practices to support them in really up leveling themselves and the world together so That's, that is the event is this the first time it's been done or is mm-hmm. it is yes, it is yeah and wow. i manifested my dream home to be able to host this experience this event i wanted women to be inspired to drop into themselves and i'll be doing other events here Oh, that's so exciting. We definitely have to keep tabs on you. Where can people find you? What's the best place to connect with you? AlyssaNobriga.com is the best place. We'll put that in the notes too. So check that out. Thank you. Alyssa, thank you for being here. Mm -hmm. Um, Just from my heart, the things that are sitting with me here as I've listened to you and connected with you, Mm -hmm. confidence, Mm -hmm. beauty, Mm -hmm. um, just this cut through all the noise to the, the heart and a presence, like this just beautiful presence. And uh, I'm just really grateful to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I feel so seen. This is beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Well, that was Alyssa Nobriga here on Let's Connect. I hope you're feeling as inspired as I am after sitting down and, and listening to that conversation. Alyssa, thank you so much for being here on the podcast. And good luck with all of the amazing endeavors that you're up to down there in Los Angeles. Thanks everybody for listening this week and stay tuned for next week's episode. I'm sitting down with the incredible Nancy Halla who has some connections to Oprah Winfrey, which will be really cool. So until next time, everyone, we'll see you and have an awesome week.